everyone, and welcome to Myth Matters, storytelling and conversation about mythology and why myth matters to your life today. I'm your host and personal mythologist, Dr. Katherine Svela. Wherever you may be in this wide, beautiful, crazy world of ours, you are part of this story circle. Well, my friends, it is Saturday morning. I still have a cup of coffee. It's going to be hotter than blazes again today here in the Mojave Desert. And this is not my usual time for putting together a podcast for you. This is, uh, I don't know, is it the second, the third, the fourth time, week, that I've worked hours and hours and hours on a program for you, only to have it dissolve in my hands <laughs> the longer that I the longer that I spend with it. Um, and that's part of what I want to talk about today because it's frustrating and it disturbs me because I do feel that the regularity of our shared schedule, is part of our connection. And yet, in these times, everything is changing. And the old schedules and the old forms are changing. And events outside and also in our inner lives, in our response to things, are, they're, they're shifting so rapidly that it's hard, at least for me, to get a hold of something and say, yes, this is it. This is the message. This is the meaning. This is what needs to be brought across right now. I frequently find myself thinking about the lyrics from a song that my friend Rags Rosenberg wrote he wrote this song about called Making It Up As We Go that's about the fact that we live in a world of human-made constructs. And at one point in the song, the tinker turns to Christopher Columbus and says, the maps are all dissolving, the compass spinning round. And that about sums it up for me. So what do I have to offer you today? in this time of great change. What I find myself thinking about is allies. How to be an ally and also where are my allies? These are important questions for me in the so-called outer sense, in the literal sense, from a literal perspective. And by that I mean uh, the question of being a good ally arises in the face of the calls for white people to deal with their issues and get on board. That's coming from the Black Matters movement and the movements of other people of color. 
And the question of where are my allies certainly has a lot to do with my everyday life. And looking around at like-minded people, listening to them, uh, supporting them, receiving support from them. But the literal perspective and the events of what we call our outer life, our social, political life, our everyday routines, being in material reality, well, we know that that exists simultaneously with, even arises from, what we talk about here on this program, which is our psychic reality that we experience through mythology and story. Psychic reality is really where we live because everything that happens (laughs) is being handled by us through our imagination, through that imaginative capacity that I call soul. And I get that definition from James Hillman and the tradition of archetypal psychology. We don't ever stop imagining and interpreting what comes into us, what comes into our our bodily perceptions through our senses and what we receive through the mind, our concepts and ideas. All of these things are... uh, made into experience in that by that third the soul which is the thing that has really dropped out of most of the constructs and considerations in western culture bringing soul back in that has been the primary contribution of depth psychology and studies of mythology by depth psychologists, mythologists like Joseph Campbell, Michael Mead, and I put myself in that tradition. And so when I consider this question of allies and my feeling that I need those in my outer world, I immediately step into the consideration of where that uh, those questions are answered or where they are located if I look at my life from the mythic perspective, if I consider the psychic reality of it. Now, I know that you know that this is true, that there's more going on than the literal events that are recorded by the news, for example. Uh, Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Uh, And it's my hope that this podcast validates for you your awareness and interest in this other perspective, in integrating your sense that life is lived literally, yes, and also metaphorically all the time. And that you are interested in developing the practice 
of turning to this other perspective as something that is always available to you at the same time that you make your moves in that so-called outer world uh, of facts and events. My thoughts in the moment about these questions of allies, how to be one, and where my allies are, where who they are, and where they're operating from the perspective of psychic reality, of the metaphor and the mystery in my life, isn't contained in a particular story. So I'm not going to be telling you a particular story in this podcast today. I wanted to start with the notion of being an ally. Uh, Yesterday, I went to a gathering to celebrate Juneteenth, and the speaker was encouraging those of us who were present to be reading some books by some different authors and investigating the history that we have inherited, the history of race relations and slavery and all of these institutions. And he said, what you have learned is simply not true. And I thought, well, (laughs) my investigations have already revealed that. I don't know if you have been doing any reading or listening to any podcast yourself. I'll put a plug-in here for the film 13th and a plug-in here for the podcast Seeing White, the second season, which is about race in America. I have found these to be very illuminating. Uh, And I must say that I had no idea how consciously we have all been manipulated into this brutal and exploitive system and set of relationships with each other. So what does mythology and awareness of the psychic reality have to do with this process of um, learning how to listen and asking better questions and uh, turning to new, te- new teachers and new sources of information. In other words, how can awareness of psychic reality and the metaphoric imaginative possibilities, how can awareness of the existence of that help you in this process? Well, what I think what we're talking about here is being willing to learn a new story, right? About being willing to question the old one, question the story that you tell that you're so sure of that appears to be based in an incontrovertible fact. That means that we need to shake up our certainty, and the seat of certainty is the ego. Now, this concept of ego is a bit tricky to talk about because 
we are so immersed in uh, Eastern traditions and Western ideas, and they're not the same. So I'm going to take a moment to clarify what I mean by that. When I use the term ego, I'm speaking in the tradition of depth psychology. And from that perspective, the task is not to get rid of ego. It's not to become ego-less. It is to relativize the positions of the ego. In other words, it is to work with the ego, which is your dominant, daily, literal-minded sense of self and organizer of experience. It is to, to work with it so that there's always this sense that there is more. That's really the nature of therapy in depth psychology. It's to introduce uh, an element of doubt that then allows for new information, for new stories to come in, for new possibilities to arise. And where do those new possibilities come from? They come from contact with the soul life, with psychic reality. This is why dreams, for example, are a very important source of material and reflection in this type of therapy. Dreams are regular infusions of material from psychic reality. This is why familiarity with mythology and stories like fairy tales is an important element of depth psychology and of the training of depth psychologists because it provides that background. It is the source of these metaphors and working with them alerts us to the presence of those metaphors and of that and of that perspective in our lives. So awareness of psychic reality, of the mystery, and being able to uh, see things metaphorically and to wonder what they, what they mean and also to see through them, that loosens up, it softens the certainty of the ego. And that is what we need, isn't it? To be open to the possibility that uh, the stories that you've been told, in this case, I'm talking about stories as in history and the news and uh, even uh, ideologies, political ideologies, social theories, uh, religious dogmas, whatever, um, that those things need to be questioned right now. And that the best sources of information, of new information, likely lie outside of your familiar world, outside of the places and the people 
and the sources that you have habitually turned to. So being aware of psychic reality can help us uh, shake ourselves loose from the certainty that governs our everyday lives. And this, I feel, we are being called to do if we are moved to develop the capacity for allyship, which, in my view, is not only for other people, but also essential to one's own self-liberation. Now, the other part of my question had to do with where are my allies? And certainly I have them in my outer world. But where are they in my inner world? Do I have them? And the answer that is found in the content, in the plot lines of our myths and stories, is yes, most definitely we do. We do have allies in the psychic realm that can help us with the overwhelm, with the struggle, with the exhaustion, and the fear. Myths and stories, especially fairy tales, and this is one of the reasons why I share so many fairy tales with you, are metaphoric descriptions of psychic reality and of psychic or what we call psychological processes. And I especially love fairy tales because not only do they seem to aptly map these so-called internal processes, but I feel they have an inherently subversive quality. Look at all of those kings that are overthrown. (laughs) And we have so many stories of helpers. I'm thinking of the story that I told about the valiant horse not too long ago. In fact, the constant presence of helpers or mentors of some sort is so prevalent that their appearance is even part of Joseph Campbell's famous pattern or monomyth, The Hero's Journey. It's such a common feature in our stories that uh, it's part of the map of the journey, that at some point you will meet someone, something, who can help you in, in, in a valuable way, who will guide you, teach you, give you a magic talisman. The help, the assistance takes many different forms. Now, this is not literal. I want to pause right there and remind you that we are talking about soul life and messages from the soul that is the psychic realm. So I'm talking about what is available to you in your personal psyche and in the larger soul field in which you operate. 
And the easiest way to talk about this may be to reference the last story that I told you, The Man Without a Story. If you didn't hear that one or you don't remember, I encourage you to go and listen to that podcast. I love that story. And the more time I spend with it, the more I find that's relevant to our current moment. But so the snapshot we need for our discussion now, the man is a basket maker and he's really run out of resources to survive as a basket maker. And he makes a journey to the edge of the fairy glen. And we know the fairy glen, that metaphorical place, it's a liminal spot. It's a step into the soul life, okay? It's an opening into the psychic reality. And he has a very interesting series of adventures in that space. One of the things that he discovers is that he is actually in that realm not only or not merely a basket maker, he is also a very good priest. He is also a highly accomplished fiddler and he is a skillful surgeon. Now, all of this is much to his surprise. So see, we have that ego point of consciousness in that realm that's experiencing this and going, oh my God, but me? He keeps, they look at him and they say, hey, you do it. And he says, me? Every time. He reacts with understandable confusion. And then he discovers that he does have the capacity He does have the requisite skills. Well, what does this suggest? That he's he's more than he thought he was. And that his identity may be more than the function, that is the role that he plays in that outer world that is from the perspective of his ego. He is more. He can do more. And his identity is more fluid. And one of the things I love about this story is that he apparently rests in the role of storyteller. According to the end of the story, he tells his story of this adventure many times, and he and his wife have plenty for the rest of his life. What does it mean, then, that he's gained a story? I think it means that he's gained a relationship to that other realm, to his soul life. So do we have allies? We do indeed in the energies, the personifications that arise in our soul life. And these allies, this help, takes two forms. An infusion of 
energies that are autonomous, like the young woman with the long black hair in that story, the man without a story, and also uh, the revelation of capacities and energies and uh, vitalities and skills that have been concealed, that, that are part of us, that our, our habitual ego perspective on our own selves conceals from us. So I return to this theme of softening the grip of the ego. Softening the grip of the ego, allowing some doubt and uncertainty and fluidity to come in, not only opens you up to possibilities in the so-called outer world, it not only uh, positions you to learn and to accept new stories, new histories, new facts. It also allows you to communicate more freely with your internal world and with the larger soul life, soul field in which we live and move. And in that field, we find that there are helpers, mentors, allies, and that we have capacities beyond those that the ego, with its various limitations, has understood and attempted to live. This is part of the beauty, my friend, in reflecting with story. Because these stories show us this. And when you find your place in a story that I'm telling and allow yourself to let that detail, let that moment that grabs your attention be significant and relate to it, think about it, ponder it, consider its metaphorical possibilities for you, well, it can be quite an opening into a a broader and deeper and richer sense of yourself and your life inside and out. Now, I have a gorgeous poem for you that I want to share before we wrap up. It's called Make It Matter, and I have a recording of it being read by the poet Brenda Littleton. I also have a couple of announcements that I want to make, and I'm going to share those now before the poem in order to preserve the meditative, reflective space that I think the poem will invoke for you. First of all, then, in my announcements, a big welcome to all of the new subscribers and a shout-out to the new patrons of Myth Matters, Rochelle LeBlanc, Pioneer Town Sun, and Barbara Hockley. Thank you so much for your financial support of this podcast. And if you are finding value here and have the means to support Myth Matters financially, I hope you will join Barbara and Rochelle and my other patrons and find me on Patreon. Now, I know that the simple satisfaction 
of supporting this content is a major motivation for most of my patrons and supporters on Bandcamp. And yet there are other benefits, like having a podcast created on a mythological topic of your choice. I also am offering uh, some special online talks and Q&A sessions, and there is going to be one next Tuesday on the hero's journey, which I'm very much looking forward to. Second announcement, speaking of special programs, I want to invite you to tune in to a panel discussion called The Language of Time on Monday, June 22nd. This discussion is hosted by award-winning writer Aditi Kurana and the House of Beautiful Business as part of their living room sessions. The House of Beautiful Business is a global think tank and community for making humans more human and business more beautiful. I'm very pleased to have been invited into this panel discussion about the language of time and the relationship between our old myths and stories and language and meanings and the present moment and what might be coming. You can find out more about the House of Beautiful Business and you can uh, find out about the living room sessions and sign up for that panel discussion online. Google House of Beautiful Business or go to my website mythicmojo.com and I have a link posted there. This gathering is free but you do need to register ahead of time to receive the Zoom link. And uh, I hope to see you there. And now, Make It Matter, read by the poet Brenda Littleton. Make it matter. Make it matter. Time for reflection, time for listening, time for letting go, receiving, using, time for gentleness, for seeking in new places, and for appreciating those of old. This tide will turn. This is wisdom making, drawing a thin line in the sand, an absolute boundary of what cannot be, to then see how quickly it doesn't really matter, to identify your worst fears, and then to have them arrive unannounced in full flurry but instead of complete collapse, you find yourself on the other side, still breathing, still standing, still longing, still knowing the next unforeseeable uncertainty is still coming. Turn to that dark corner pocket full of those, I will never do that, go there, say those words and feel those fears. Let them fly free and freely. Release the don'ts and won'ts and wants. Start from right now with one beating atom. See where she wants to flow and follow. Invite the next one to join you at the table. Sew them together after they bury you with unexpected love. The worst may yet still be waiting. 
Tell your gut to expect a miracle. You may be surprised when they stand up and applaud your foresight. Your preparation you once called despair, but is now alchemically churned into knowledge, into a secure way to breathe. Give up what you think is control. Let go of holding the darkness back. Swim breaststrokes in the night sea. Stay longer than expected in those grottos forbidden to explore. Talk to those pernicious friends of anxiety and doubt, flying frayed ends of whips and flagellation. Listen to their grunts and sighs. Let them inside you, guide you. Ride them as ancient waves and those old young lovers. As they roar you into liminal edges of unformed, foamy, wet new self, it is time to be thorough. It's time to live your own deep fathomed life. For this is what you've been waiting for during all those times of no, not now, mm -mm, no, it is now. As the center will not hold forevermore, take guidance from Yates and Jeffers and Oliver and all those prophets that brought you here into this Aleph. If you have to clean house, end relationships, Kill the old cat, sell the car, rent the house, move to an island. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until you meet yourself on the path, until you meet yourself on the path where no one else has ever been. And when you pick your bones and gnaw the left foot calluses for food and ancient patterns of having to know completely dissolve while honored for their protective service for keeping alive this little girl once left on a logging road for screaming too loudly in resistance to what was not right and sane for what was awful and unkind and polluted for what was brutal in loss of that particular petal in a child's heart then soul slides sideways and sighs you inward toward the first and lingering womb dream Listening and finding the last wave of low tide means the next one will soon cover over what is now raw and exposed. The tide will turn. Be thorough this time. Meet yourself to make it matter. It's the only love to do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brenda. And that's it for me, Catherine Savela and Myth Matters. Take good care of yourself. And until next time, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life alive.